Welcome again to Guadalajara, Mexico, where Paradise Paradox, we're covering the behind the scenes of in Acapulco. Acapulco Nights. A little, uh, little background on a few personal stories, a little sexual harassment. <laughs> what else was there? Yep, all the crazy stuff that happened that we didn't talk about in our previous episodes, all our personal stories, uh, the trek, the journey of arriving in Acapulco and a, few, a little bit about the interesting people that we met there, all of the crazy weed paranoia, government agent infiltration that was happening and uh, some beautiful things like that. All the good stuff. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. And my name is Aaron Battle. Cool. So how's, how's it been going? Well, I'm still coming down. Still coming down from an Acapulco. It's been, yep. it's been a couple of weeks and it was such a shock to me. I mean, the whole, the whole thing was just so, uh, I, I know, I feel like we keep saying this over and over, it was so good yeah. that, um, you know, I actually had to go through a, a skin shelling two weeks to, to evolve out of uh, who I was and then who I am. All right. You made like so, a po- Pokemon and evolved. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to keep like Pikachu. I want to stay human, but <laughs> sometimes it's a little, uh, it's a little difficult when, um, I don't know, we just, you, you just come across new understandings. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I know you had a few experiences that kind of opened your mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I say well, that, fir- I mean... The first note on the agenda, I'm going to tell you how to set up my mind. Well, okay, the... I know your first episode maybe isn't flow-related, but <laughs> maybe it is. It was, it was mind-opening because what happened was... We got, we got into Mexico City because we were taking the bus to Acapulco. We got into... Uh, so we got into Mexico City. Guadalajara, Mexico City, the kind of overnight bus... And then we were a bit confused going all over Mexico City looking for the right bus terminal to, to get to uh, Acapulco. But on the way, um, like towards Observatorio, um, the, the train was like really packed. And, and uh, this dude is like inching his way close to me. And to, to my right, there are like a couple of gay gentlemen uh, taking the opportunity of being squeezed into a corner to, to have an intimate moment, which is nice. But, but then, <laughs> then, you were involved. Uh, then, then with the, with a different fellow who wasn't a gentleman at all. Cause he, he, he kept inching, inching closer and closer towards me until, uh, uh, I had nowhere else to go. And then uh, he, he's looking at me with this expression on his face like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, the, the, uh, the, the train is so full, man. Like, if I had a choice, I wouldn't be right up close to you, so close to you, but, uh, you know, it's full, so what can you do? Uh, and, th- and then I noticed, like, I mean, his crotch is, like, directly against my leg, and it starts to get warmer and warmer, and I start repositioning myself three or four times to try to get away until I have nowhere else to move. Knee leg or hip leg? Uh, it was. Uh, let's see. Well, you know, I'm I'm tall in Mexico, so it was it was above the knee, uh, but. Yeah, but I'm like on my lower thigh. But the thing was, um, it was like a 40-minute trip. Yeah. Well, well, I was only in this precarious position for about 20 minutes. Okay. So, you know, um, if sexual assault goes for less than 40 minutes, it barely counts, Doesn't right? Doesn't count. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm still a, a fraudage virgin. Um, <laughs> so, Hang on yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah so at the at the end i'm like oh well i guess i just uh, resigned to my fate i have to like try to enjoy this <laughs> enjoy the warmth i can actually feel the head of his penis pushing up against me and then i did I, like at the time i'm like what is going on 
like is this exactly what it seems to be or is it <laughs> it's probably a little bit hard for everyone else to appreciate how confused you might have been in that situation <laughs> but i mean it was we were packed yeah people would i mean the doors weren't shut in like mm. people were pushing everyone to get in like you know you couldn't pack more people into the into the subway yeah so um i mean you wouldn't have known what it was but obviously after uh you know after yeah a, a little a few moments reflection I would have to say, yes, I was sexually assaulted. What a grave, grave event. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you said, like, jo Joanna, your wife gets that sort of thing all uh, it's, the time. It's I can quite only common imagine. on yeah. buses and everything. not like, quite as pretty as Joanna. But, uh, I mean, it hasn't happened when I'm on the bus. <laughs> but uh, mm. I think women mm. in Mexico need to be strategic with where they stand who they get on the bus with. I mean, it's usually it's quite common that women get on the bus first. Yeah. So they, they can, I mean, it doesn't really help when the bus is packed. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the Mexican subway system actually allocates two carts for women only. So, oh. you know, so it's quite common that, you know, that we have, you know, pig-like men that take advantage of, uh, of how close or the, the fact that they can inch closer to, uh, I guess, you know, tourists and take advantage of that. <laughs> I think I've taken advantage of. Well, there was no other yeah. chicks on the cart, was there? Like on our, on our train? I don't think so. Maybe some old women. So you, you, you're the exotic <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nice to be exotic for once. It's nice to feel appreciated. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that, um, that, was our, that was our episode one of our trip to yeah. Acapulco. yeah. And after that, it was all, you know, everything looked better after that. Because uh, <laughs> once, once you've been in the gutter, everything seems like a palace. Well, okay, other than that, the trip wasn't that bad. I mean, I probably wouldn't. I, uh, I plan to go next year, so I'm going to yeah. try and not catch the bus. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, plan ahead and get some cheap flights down. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't even think planes fly direct. I mean, so no, you know, no, that, that's kind don't. of why we're in the bus. Yeah. But anyway. So that was fun. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so, so then we actually arrived in Acapulco and it was, uh, it was good. Uh, everything was good. Um, and yeah, we went exploring a bit. Uh, then on, this, on the second night, which was the first night of a, a conference for us, uh, we went, um, yeah, we, went, we met uh, Christoph Hoyerman and we were hanging out with him. We were like, oh, what are we going to do? Um, let's walk along the strip. Let's walk home. Yeah, pretty standard plan. We'll go check out, walk by a few bars, see what yeah. happens, you know, just get amongst the, the strip in Acapulco. There's a lot of, lot of things to see. Um, and we, you know, it completely changes at night. During the day, it seems all pretty relaxed and, and calm, sunny. Mm. And then at night, it's just, just a lights and, and bars yeah it looks like a cheap version of las vegas with uh, a lot shittier casinos and yeah uh, it, was, it was a shame about that but anyway the, <laughs> we didn't really find that much to do so we kept we pretty much just kept hanging out in the street and yeah they have like a bungee um tower like right out the back of a restaurant which is kind of cool apparently they they didn't apply for a permit or anything they're just like yep put it up a bungee tower that's the Mexican way. So. It had to be 10 floors, I reckon, at least. Yeah, pretty least. serious. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see anyone jump, though. Did mm. you? Uh, no, because we, we waited there for like 20 minutes, hoping that somebody would jump out, because they, they were standing up there, and there was a crowd gathering, like, you know, somebody's going to do this shit. Then they didn't. So that was, uh, it was a bit of a letdown. It seemed but, like a thing to do at the time, though. I felt yeah. like I needed to give at least 15 minutes to see... <laughs> to see who was going to jump or what was going on or what it was all about. Yeah. I don't know, you kind of want to see someone just fall. I mean, there was a pool <laughs> down the bottom. But that's the kind of thing with bungees, isn't it? You don't want to, you don't want to see them have a normal standard bungee jump. You kind of want to... <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't no. know bungee jumping was a spectator sport. Like, you know, I mean, uh, it was a good Formula 100. 1 racing. Like, yeah, come on, come on, Shoemaker, you know, burn into that, crash and burn into that wall. Is that the kind of thing you get from bungee jumping? I, there's a lot of people. Yeah. There's a lot of people waiting. I mean, I don't know. What else do you see? Uh, a tourist jump, scream, <laughs> screaming, and then, uh, and then they let them down nice and calm. That's boring. <laughs> Who wants to see that? Yeah. 
Uh, they don't, like, grab them back up by their feet. No, there was a platform with a bar next to it that I think they... Uh -huh. It appeared that's where they come in. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know why, but I always pictured that they wouldn't get off at the bottom, that they'd somehow <laughs> bring them back up to the top. But that would be like, if, if bungee jumping wasn't scary enough, like getting pulled by your feet <laughs> back up 10 stories, that would, that, would, uh, that would rip your head off. It's quite a good dare, though. I mean, you'd want a bravery award for doing it. I mean, yeah. Considering... For what I heard, I mean, you mentioned there was no permission given. I mean, it looks <laughs> dirty and everything, but, yeah. but who, who knows? <laughs> yeah, a lot of counterweights and everything. Yeah, so we were like, oh, you know, it can't be that far back to the hotel Acapulco. Uh, we'll just walk along the strip. And uh, then on the way, uh, I met this nice young lady. Uh, and I was chatting to her for like five minutes. I, I, I said hel hello and, and stopped her and, and she's like, hi, how's it going? And she's like four feet tall and <laughs> maybe four foot six. And, uh, and, and Christoph and Aaron were waiting for me there. And, uh, and I said to this girl, oh, do you want to walk with us? And she's like, yeah, sure. Uh, and then uh, I guess about 10 or 20 minutes into our conversation, I actually asked her what she did for a living. Uh, and she's like, oh, I don't really do anything. Um, I just, uh, I have my ex-husband and I divorced him and yeah, this is my life. Uh, and I'm like, really, is, is that how it works? And, and she's like, yeah, I just walk up and down the strip and I'm like, ah, completely checked out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is starting to, starting to get a little weirder. And then, <laughs> then, uh, then I continued the conversation with her because, uh, I was like, well, she seems nice enough. I so, guess I can vouch for you that it didn't, at the time it didn't seem weird because most Mexican chicks are pretty quite nice and they do give you, you know, time of day. Yeah. So it was normal to say hi and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't involved in the conversation, so I didn't get the triggers of this is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that uncomfortable because, I mean, it, it, another 10 or 20 minutes passed and I asked her again what she did and she, she started saying something like, oh, well, you know, there's a, a Canadian guy uh, who I hang around with and he pays me a thousand pesos a day to hang out with him. And I'm like, oh, I see. <laughs> um, I said it's nice work if you can get it follow but the money man follow <laughs> the money <laughs> um, but I said, I said well you, you know I'm not going to pay you to hang out with you right and she's like yeah I know um, that's, and I'm like oh okay well, I guess that's fine then so, <laughs> so um, pretty standard check isn't it I, I guess I don't know what, what like what do you ask a no, I, I mean, gigolo I'm, when you meet a, mm. a, a gigolo prostitute when a, a call girl I don't know you even know no, if, I to, don't know what she was was she a pimp <laughs> was that, she actually pimps out this Canadian dude this 70 year old Canadian no I, I just felt like was um, I mean didn't she invite other friends or something or wasn't that part of it uh, she kept saying stuff about the guy uh, I, I don't know what she was talking about. She kept mentioning some dude that that walked past that was selling speed or something, and I don't I got lost in the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the the point is, Acapulco is quite a little. It's a little town for adventures. I mean, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into walking down the strip, just saying hi. <laughs> yeah. It was a funny night. <laughs> it, it was cool. Yeah. This episode, we wanted to talk about an Acapulco, but I mean, anyone that was there knows what it was about and uh, knows who spoke and what they were talking about and took notes and pretty got in contact and, and all that. What we want to talk about is our personal experience and the adventures that we had and the, the, the funny little, the stories that, you know, pretty are individual to us that um, anyone that might be entertained by uh, our antics might, might enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Our, our own personal experiences, our anecdotes, stuff that's away from the speakers of the conference. So the, the informal, the informal version of an Acapulco. Yeah, let your hair down version. So uh, you had an interesting experience on the beach. 
Yeah, well, see, what, what happened was, uh, you know, you'd hang out and, and listen to the, the speakers. And then in the afternoon, it was, it was a, normal, uh, a normal event to get out on the beach and watch the sunset, maybe have a few drinks, you know, kind of Do wind down. sun gazing. Sun gazing, take your shoes off, earth out. You know, so that, that, was, that was really good. And there was a couple of guys, we were all down there, you know, earthing out. I even, well, most of us did yoga in the morning as well, which was, which was magic because it was completely, uh, it was like a private beach to do yoga on. There was a small group of like 15 of us. So, uh, I mean, the afternoon was completely, completely different, full of tourists, full of people trying to sell and everything like that. But, uh, you know, we went down for a couple of drinks and we'd, we'd chill in. And there's, there's always like every, every 15 minutes, there would be someone that was trying to sell something. But uh, there was an old guy that came up to me instead of talking to me. And, and he, I, like, I like to hear their stories. Like, I, f I feel like if you shoot them down straight away, I mean, it just, uh, I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable. At least, we can, at least we can have a quick chat with somebody, maybe, maybe lift their spirits a bit, because I mean, that's a hard gig, selling mm -hmm. all day. And they're, they're, they're long days. I mean, I saw the same guys when I was at 8 o'clock in the morning doing yoga. They were getting ready for the day. And they were there at night, you know, when we were relaxing. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's a good good minimum, like, you know, 10, 12 hours of trying to sell on the beach. Mm. And, you know, some of the, the money that they're receiving, obviously, you know, they're doing it because they have to, and they're not getting paid very well. So sometimes, you know, I like to have a chat to them and see how things are going and, you know, try and explain, you know, what we're doing and, and what we're all about, because, of course, they see us and it's, it's like, let's hit the tourists for, you know, that massage. Yeah, that's, pigeon. Yeah, like 40 <laughs> pesos massage, 300, <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> Come on, you know, I'm, I'm Mexican now too. Right? I've, I've been here for a couple so you weeks. Thought. Well, I did. And uh, I was chatting with this old guy, and the more I spoke to him, he was trying to sell me a scuba diving tour or something. Mm. And, uh, and then he, he took notice. We had a chat that I've, you know, I've been in Mexico for a few months now. And, and he said, okay, well, you know, you speak well, but you could speak better. You know, you need to go and get the, the dictionary or the, the Spanish books from a. Uh, from a Mexican publishing company called Peroa. And he said, this is like, this is the best Spanish. It's like, it's, a, it's Mexican Spanish. And, leyendo este libro, vas a hablar machín. You're gonna speak it like a machine. Like, <laughs> like, like, a, like a Mexican macho man. <laughs> right. You're gonna speak well. So I, you know what? I oh, is that what that means? It doesn't mean mach machine. It actually means like it's, like the superlative of macho or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, All right, like, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's like cool. my, my chin. Or sometimes they say uh, diesel, which is like, you're gonna be diesel. Like, this is like the, the strong, the, you know, the, the alpha male. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, D, okay, so mach, machin is. <laughs> yeah, this is Mexican what? slang. Diesel, machin. You're, di it's, okay, you're it's a like, machine that runs on diesel. Got it. It's the best working Mexican tractor man you can be. The man, <laughs> the man machine. Right. So, yeah, it, this is what he was saying. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, we're having a chat. You know, I explained I got a bit of family in Mexico City. I'm now living in Guadalajara. And, uh, you know, so we built a little rapport. In this time, I realized, you know, this, this guy, he's like a Mexican guy, you know, where, you know, we're, we're gelling, we're having a conversation. He, he's opening up his culture to me. And I feel like, you know, this is, it, it, well, at first it reminded me of my, my grandfather my Mexican grandfather, which I really only met in 2008. So it was kind of later in my life. And, you know, we joked about like, you know, brujeria and stories about witchcraft and all that kind of thing. And uh, I, I kind of felt like I was talking to like a, a grandfather role model. That turned into, you know, him, well, him sharing some of his past knowledge with me. Now, meanwhile, there's a party going on right behind me, like uh, up around the pool. And everyone's like, Aaron, let's go, let's go. Uh, you know, you're going to miss out. Like, you know, well, really, that was Kurt saying, I've got to be part of this party. I'm ditching you. I'm leaving you right here. My message was, in 10 Aaron, minutes. I'm leaving you with an old Mexican man on the beach. Enjoy like, yourself. That's cool. Just make, come back. If I'm not up there in 10 minutes, come find me. Yeah, well, I, I tried to come find you. There's a, um, a security guard uh, guarding the beach at the back of the Hotel Copacabana. Uh, and um, uh, he, he's like, nope, you can't come through here. I'm like, well, my, my buddy's down there. I mean, I, I need to go talk to him. I need to go find him. And he's like, nope, nobody's down there. 
um, <laughs> which is something you you have as a security guard have probably uh, said many times. It's pretty standard. It's like a, you don't have time to care, and either way, I'm not going to let this guy walk down there. Well, no one's supposed to be down there. I don't care if anyone's down there or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then uh, uh, it, it turned out that, um, like, I went up and somebody was like, all right, you want to go down there? You just need to walk around the block and uh, you'll get find yourself on the beach. The beach is actually federal property. Uh, so the hotel Copacabana has no say once you're actually down there. So I just went around the corner, um, walked around the block, like where, where the hell am I going? Cause it's a rather large block, <laughs> but I found the beach and, and, and went and walked about, a, you know, 500 meters along the beach. And then there you are. I'm well, like, that, that security guard lied to me. <laughs> when I saw you come over, it looked like you've done a Tough Mudder 20k run, like you know, you, you've been, you've done it. was a big block. I appreciate the effort to come and find me because I could have been in trouble. Yeah, no, it was, it was all cool. <laughs> but, meanwhile, you've come down, and you know by this point, I'm having, a, I'm having a little smoke on the beach with with my new grandfather, and I don't know. I started. I remember there was, he was downloading some serious cultural information that I found so. Uh, well, I felt like I was privileged that he was sharing what he was telling me. Like he was sharing some information that, that I felt like, you know, his father taught him or he would have learned just being on the streets in Mexico. Mm. Like, you know, this is like, he, he would have, I think he was in his 70s for sure. Mm. Like he was an older guy and he was still working. So like, he's, he's, seen, he's seen a lot. Mm. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to listen. I felt like I was listening to an, to an elder at this point. And uh, I don't really remember what he said too much like I don't I don't remember what he said other than what I explained to well, everyone let, else let let me uh, shame let's see I have these notes because afterwards <laughs> you came up and you're like whoa whoa man check this out this is the shit this is the real shit I got the secret to life here man I got the secret to life and you're like this this guy downloaded his essence in inside of me and now I understand everything about Mexican culture and and life and uh yeah you told me that uh this this is what I've written down his name was Joaquin secret to life why 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 tree of life 100 percent earth trapped in one vine and that that was what was so important that you told me to rip out my notebook and write it <laughs> i don't know what that means 100 percent earth trapped in one vine yep yep well i know what the why 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 part means because you told me yeah no um, it's because i had to check my notes because i was writing things on my phone yeah because i knew that i i knew that it was like it's it's ideas that are too big for the language so <laughs> Uh, you know, you try and relate them to other to other pictures, yeah. but it's like the complete flow, the mm -hmm. flow of uh, like integration into the into the moment of being everything that you can be. I guess the the notes that I had from that experience was uh, ultimate flow, understanding nothing, asking questions, be the child, secret to life, and then I was like consciousness or something. <laughs> consciousness or something guys guys stop the stop the press <laughs> stop the press we got the secret to life right here <laughs> consciousness or something i uh, yeah what i realized was that you uh you have to understand that you are nothing hmm. like doesn't he i think what he, what he was trying to explain to me was um like you appreciate that you know nothing, hmm. that you mean nothing, that no matter what you do, it's like there's no, there's no actual meaning to it. And it's so ingrained in the fact that there's nothingness is that you don't even know yourself. You don't even know that you are nothing or you don't, you're not even aware of yourself. No, when you embrace that there's nothing that matters, then you realize that what you think that matters is just this like black cloud of your own mind that you think is important, but it's not. Right. So he was trying to explain that to me. And uh, he was like, he mentioned, we briefly mentioned the Bible because you know, Mexico, Mexico is a very religious country. Hmm. And, and what I realized was that the people that, that wrote the Bible, you can't, you can't even understand what they were saying. The whole thing uh, is a, me a metaphor on a metaphor, the whole thing's yeah, old parables and analogies, yeah. 
Well, it's, it's like that. Allegorical. It's yep. like that because it appears like that to us. But that would have mm. been real information. Like what I, what I told you to write down was real information. But what does that mean? Well, some, I mean, you told me to write why, 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 and I know what that means because you said you were there asking him questions like a child, like, like my nephew does. Why? But why? Dad, why? Dad, why? And every time he would answer until he had answered your question so completely. Oh, it was brilliant. That you couldn't <laughs> say why anymore. <laughs> well, the thing was he, was, he was like, I felt like I was on theater. He was acting like grandfather. And I was acting like annoying brat child. <laughs> like, All right, well, you know, I need to go now, but why? And then why? And then he kept answering me with good stuff. Like he, he wasn't even getting upset or anything. He just kept telling me the answer. And then at the very end, he kind of just smiled at me and he pointed to my feet. Mm. And I was I like, well, okay, I'm looking down. Like I didn't, I didn't say anything. Just I'm on, I'm on the beach. I didn't step on anything. Like I didn't tip over anyone's drink. That happened, sorry about that. Um, like, what, what's, what's it go? Why, why are you looking at my feet? And then he started laughing at me because I was standing on like what looked like all this uneven beach. He was standing on this perfectly smooth, almost like a butterfly of, of like just three circles, completely round, as if there was some kind of sphere of pure energy just hovering above the moon, where the, the moon lander landed, and what you'd, what you'd think the pattern would be from the moon lander in the soft moon dust was what he created as he was explaining all this information that to me. That hypothetical moon lander. Well, that's what I imagined. I saw this big smooth pattern of just, you know, this, this just big pad around his feet. Yeah. Around my feet it was a complete mess. <laughs> all this drunk guy stumbling around going, what, why, when, again? So you said it was kind of like if, if he had to fight, then he knew exactly what he was standing on, like he was standing on perfectly even ground. Yeah, the whole time that he was talking to me, he was able to, he was like patting the floor, mm. as in he was, he was acknowledging his surroundings. Mm. I was just off thinking about the party and thinking about what I heard that day and then, you know, passed me back that, that cigarette. It was like, it was, I, was, I wasn't there in the moment listening to him. It was after that you said that, everything just came back in. And that's when I realized I haven't been here. Mm. This guy's talking to me and, and giving me his time and I haven't given him my time. Mm. And then I realized, well then, you know, what, what's going on here? Then he, uh, he kind of laughed at me like, you know, like as if, you know, you, you just say you're a kid, you know, you're not, you're not conscious of what you're doing. Like the whole time I'm telling you solid information and consciously, you know, outlining my perimeter. Mm. Um, you haven't. And then he tried to fight me. <laughs> he nearly, he nearly knocked, like a 70 plus year old dude nearly knocked me over. Was he really? I would have, I would have said he was like 60, maybe 55. He was, he definitely had, well, he had at least double my age. Mm. So okay, it, yeah. it was, you know, he was an experienced dude. And you know, he showed me a few different things. And at that point, I completely came into him like, you know what? Um, that, that all happened as Kurt's running over. And <laughs> I was like, Kurt, write this down quickly. It's all good. I'm going to come up in a minute. And then I think I stayed down there for another half an hour yeah. after that. Yeah. Because sure he started showing me like, I said, okay, well, um, you obviously know something. <laughs> teach me. Like, you know, like I felt like karate kid. Like, I mean, I'm now your student. What have you got to teach me? And then he started telling me, like, just, just Mexican men, like a man, I guess, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know how to, how to explain it. It's like a cultural understanding that any kid that grew up in Mexico would know as a Mexican man. Mm. And obviously I'm not that Mexican man that I appear to be. So he said, well, you know, you want to live here? Here's the information. And then he started showing me different postures, different ways to, different ways to smoke different stances and, and how to fight, mm. which, which, were, which was incredible because what I began to appreciate was not that maybe the fighting stance was anything beneficial as a, a method of fighting, mm. but the way that he told me to apply it, to use it, would have, would have just kicked everyone's ass straight away. Like there's no punches needed. There was no need for it because you are so dominant in that moment. Mm. Your stance from the from like the cultural knowledge from his father and his father, just the natural way that a Mexican man would like just puff. 
just like just pose and like you don't want to mess with me yeah that well, defuses everything i always refer to this story from uh from zen philosophy the story of the emperor's cock you know you know this story right i must have told you this story run it by me again for okay. our okay for our fans uh okay so the the emperor um goes to a cock fight and he sees his roosters fight and he says wow those those roosters are really powerful they like lay into each other uh what a noble animal and he says i want to get involved in this sport so he goes and he, he goes to the rooster farm and uh, or the rooster market looks it around and all these different roosters and he sees this this big one uh all puffed up and and walking around uh like a cock of the roost uh intimidating the other roosters and all this and he's like that's my boy he, he buys the rooster uh he finds the best cock trainer in all of china and sends the rooster to this trainer and uh, after a month, uh, the emperor calls on him and he, he says, is he ready? And the trainer's like, well, not quite. He still hasn't learned to harness his strength. Uh, the second month, he comes back and says, well, no, he's, he's not ready. He's just, uh, he's full of hot air. He's always wandering around, expending his energy pointlessly, uh, without purpose. He's not ready. The next month he comes back and the emperor says, is, is the rooster ready? And the trainer says, maybe. So uh, the emperor puts the rooster into a fight and the rooster has this supreme stillness. So calm that the other rooster can't even bear to look into his eyes without flying into a fit. The rooster won every fight never had to never had to actually fight so that's what this guy taught me yeah <laughs> that's exactly what he taught me it it was cool because i felt like he respected me enough to say you're gonna need this mm. and, and then he, he showed me firstly to come back to the moment outline your perimeter understand where you are what you're doing and then just a few a few postures mm a few breathing exercises and how, and when there's nothing left, how to apply one move. Watch us again at the Paradise Paradox. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Watch us on YouTube, like us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter and listen to us on iTunes or Pocket. So um, I got schooled on the beach. <laughs> schooled by a hundred-year-old man. Uh, I, I call him Granddad. <laughs> I, I don't feel I don't feel bad then. I feel like it was like a parental smackdown. Right. <laughs> uh, but it was like I, I, at this point I realized, man, I'm, I'm running late. Like you know, Kurt's come down and check on me. I've been gone for at least close to an hour now, so I better head back up. And like you know, I'm, I'm cool. I got my backpack on. You know, I've got like half a beer that I, that I found. I'm cruising back up to, the, to the, the party back at the pool and security looks at me like, uh, no, nah, it's cool, you know, you're talking down there with, we'll like with, a, with an elder, you know, you're, you're sweet. Like, no, no, no issue, like, come on up, man. Back to the party. Like you had your fun. And, and I mentioned, like, I saw the security guard and he was just so cool. He was just so straight up, like, get back, get back to the party. <laughs> I wasn't a fan. Yeah, we're talking the, the big guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and I said to him, you know, uh, you know what we're doing here, right? Like, like you know, I, well, firstly, I said to him, look, I, I met a guy. Sorry, man, I was just, just down the beach. Reminded me, my granddad had to hear what he had to say. And he was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and, I was like, and then I said, you know what? You know what we're doing here? Like, you, you, know, uh, you know what the party's about? Mm. And, uh, and I said, like, I don't know, like, I'm a little tipsy at this point. And I said to him, we're, we're celebrating because we just won. Like, this is, this is the celebration. Like, we just realized together, there's a whole new way of doing things and we're all doing our bit. And he was like, yeah, I know. You guys are like gonna like change governments and shit, right? Mm. Like, you know, in a, in a Mexican cool, like, was claro, yes, there? 
todo, todo está bien, tú tienes tu fiesta. And, uh, and you know, do, do, you, do you have to do? Do you work? And I was like, exactly. And then he said, uh, who was the last guy that was rapping? Because by this point, it's like everyone's finished, like the, the, all the bands are done. I'm just heading back up to the party. And he was like, who was the, who was the last guys that were just rapping? Mm. And I, I mean, I, I missed it. So, and then, and then you run over and like, Aaron, you missed it. <laughs> I was like, what? What did yeah, I miss? Because my- <laughs> like, shit, what, did I, what happened? What did I do? What happened was, uh, Nima V finished his set and then Rob Hustle got up and he's like, yo, to any true lyricist out there, I need you up on stage, come on. Uh, and he's like, yeah, all the MCs. And by that, by that time, I just, uh, I just walked up to this uh, beautiful girl and got blown out. <laughs> or she was just like, didn't react to what I was saying at all. I don't know if she was shy or what. But the thing was, um, I, just by starting to try to pick up a girl, my uh, my state changed. My my eye, my pupils dilated like ping, and I was like, hmm, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Ultimate I, flow. Yeah, ultimate flow, like straight on, like a uh, like a whirlwind coming out of nowhere. Uh, and so, so he's saying this stuff about lyricist, and I start walking up. And uh, I'm on, on some level, I'm kind of hesitant. I'm like, ah, oh, should I really be doing this? And on another level, I'm like, yes, I have to do this. I have to get up and rap with these guys. Uh, and my, my legs are already moving. So by that stage, I know I'm committed and, and I get to the to the perimeter of the crowd and Rob Hustle's like, yeah, this guy knows what it's all about. So come up here, man. <laughs> so I came up on stage with the guys and uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Cause uh, let's see, Nima V dropped a verse and Rob Hustle dropped a verse. Um, then this dude, I think his name was James. He, he uh, did a freestyle as well. Sarah Ziegler um, did a freestyle as well. Uh, which nobody was expecting. <laughs> I, I watched the video. It blew me away. I was like, what? Yeah. What's yeah. going on? She's one of the, um, she volunteered to all, uh, help organize the event. And she's also a poet. Um, she's quite a, um, yeah, quite a phenomenal woman. And, and uh, yeah, I get the mic. And then um, I'd just been sitting, waiting there patiently. They hand me the mic and I just start busting this, this crazy freestyle. People were telling me later I sounded like I was Jamaican or something, like I was toasting or doing raga or something. I don't even know, dance hall, something like that. I don't even know where it came from. <laughs> you were channeling, man. Yeah, You're yeah. feeling that, that came, flow. Came out of nowhere. Well, hopefully we'll get, the, get up the footage of that so you guys can see it. Uh, and then, of course, Jeff Berwick dropped a verse from uh, from like 20 years ago, this old school rhyme, uh, you know, Canadian rapper uh, busting it like old times. So that was cool. Uh, and and then uh, then what happened? I gave you a, a you were like, ah oh, man, I need to I need to tell this security guard who just performed. So I'm like scribbling name of these and, and Rob Hustle's name on the back of a of, a, a of one of our business cards. Business yeah. card. Yeah. No, it's cool. I was handing cards out with who was playing and, you know, look us up. Yeah. And all that. <laughs> who knows? Who knows yeah. whether they did or not. But, I mean, it was, it was cool that they showed interest. And that's what I was excited about. It's a shame. Well, I mean, the video came out great. Mm. The video is good. Like, it's a good square shot. Everyone's, everyone that gets up and, and raps, like, it's perfect. <laughs> it was like being there. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like you weren't on the beach that night. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, actually, we do, I remember the, the, um, one of the nights we talked to one of the taxi drivers and, and uh, we were telling him what the conference is about. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm with you guys. <laughs> Everyone seemed to be, I mean, Mexico is all, all about it. I mean, I think you mentioned that, you know, you like Mexico because it's like there's already a decentralized government structure here. Yeah, and I didn't realize, but every every like town has their own president, and it really is it really is decentralized. Like Mexico hasn't they haven't come together the way that uh, the way that for example like the USA has. Yeah, the federal government is more or less incompetent. They have a limit to their power because you can always bribe a police officer. So, uh, in in this in a sense, I mean, it's not 
decentralized exactly, but it's it's not too far off it compared to somewhere that has more organized government like the United States or Australia. Yeah, anything anything we're used to. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's interesting now. Acapulco is an example in itself because the because of the way the the police don't have that that same presence. And mm. if no one said anything, I probably wouldn't even have noticed. <laughs> I would have, you know, it's like it's like any other any other town. Yeah. But knowing that there's no police there, you're like, well, where are the police? Or what's there in their place as well? Yeah. Well, when we left the bus station and when we were leaving Acapulco, we saw a, a bunch of municipal police just hanging out, and they're all like, like cooking a grill on the side of the footpath or something. And I, I look apparently, at, they're all getting paid to do that, just hang out. Well, I, I look at Mexican police like it's like a, a welfare system. It's like none of them yeah. want to be policemen. Yeah. Like I know the policemen that I know, they don't, they're not happy being a policeman, but how else are you going to earn money and look after your family when there's no employment? And even if there is employment, that minimum wage is like, what, five, seven dollars a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. And they roll through the uh, military vehicles sometimes, like packed with 12 or 15 soldiers rolling down the streets of Acapulco. It happens here occasionally in Guadalajara too. The, the, the rumor is, the, the official story, is that they're there to keep the tourists safe which, or make the tourists feel safe. But everybody, of course, all the tourists who come in are like, why is there a military presence? <laughs> it's a bit hard to feel safe as a tourist when you're not used to seeing you know, fully loaded, packed, you know, like hardcore weaponry, just yeah. cruise, cruising through traffic. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. they, these, these aren't little pistols like, you know, your normal police. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, super machine guns mm-hmm. of all types, or even like the shotguns that the security guards at the, the banks have. I mean, we're talking pretty serious firepower. Mm. I mean, I'm, yeah. not up, I'm not up on my weapons, but it's confronting if you're not used to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on the... Yeah, on the, on Bitcoin Sunday, uh, Roger Ver got up and he's, he was saying stuff like, um, he said, I know there are probably some government agents in this room that wouldn't be a surprise at all. Uh, that would be exactly what we expect. And he said, think about it. If, if you are a government agent, think about what we're doing here. We actually just want peace. We want liberty. We want to have a good time, express ourselves in whatever way we see fit. We don't want to harass anybody. So think about who the bad guy really is. That was a solid moment. Yeah. Everyone kind of just, they felt that. Yeah, yeah. People people cheered and said, yes, that's exactly what this is all about. Uh, But I think that kind of seeded a thought for a little paranoia, especially when people are running around, uh, maybe having a few tokes on the Acapulco gold. Uh, <laughs> a little dream time. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting, uh, yeah, it was, let's say seed, because everyone was super comfortable sharing ideas and communicating with each other, sharing contacts and everything, and then all of a sudden it's like, who is that guy? <laughs> I don't know him. <laughs> Did, does he check out? Is he saying what he does? He, does he, do I feel like he, he's meaning? Like, does he mean what he's saying? Did that really happen? Everyone, I mean, from a personal point of view, that, that seed was there. And it was like, you know what? I don't know how I'm coming across now because it, it, did, it should change the vibe. <laughs> that little 1% that, uh, that grew throughout the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, to some extent, I compared it to like... Two, so, two stoners sitting in a room and maybe the same social circle and they're in a, a small room and there's, uh, there's smoke wafting through the air and one of them starts to get paranoid and, and looks at the other guy through the corner of his eyes and the other guy is thinking, oh shit, who is this motherfucker? Who is it? Like, is this guy, a, you know, a narc? He's, why is he... I, I could swear he's looking at me at the corner of his eyes. Um, yeah. and that, that's just the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's it's, in, what's in my drink? From there. Who ah. served my drink? Where yeah. is my drink? I don't know. It's like, 
it didn't get that bad. <laughs> but it was, it was interesting. It was the, the night went till 6 a.m. Mm. That, that next morning, mm. and you know, we were all firing. Everyone was having a great time. Uh, but there was, there was some, if, I mean, it was after three days, so there were some people that you might not have seen throughout, throughout the three days that you might not have noticed, and all of a sudden, because everyone's so friendly, you were meeting people for the first time, four, five, six o'clock in the morning, after three days of party, and it was like, and then you got these ideas of like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know who I need to be talking to. Like, should I be sharing all my views on on taxation and my business models, and perhaps you know my views on capitalism, and not even begin with religion. It was like it was, you know, you, you're sharing your your mind with people. It's a little bit difficult not to question if they're sharing exactly what they're thinking as well. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you did tell me one story. I, I don't know. Maybe we should edit this out. But you would, you were saying, I hope not. Okay, you would. <laughs> you were telling me a story about how I, uh, you you were in a conversation with a few guys, and you you were talking about the kind of moment that you started to switch on to oh, the yes. state of the world. Maybe that um, government can can never reach its its ideal function. Uh, or some, some other um, state of awareness, like about conspiracy theories, questioning official stories or something like that. Yeah. I feel like everyone has their, their moments. I mean, their moments when they feel like perhaps the system let them down or they, they encountered, you know, a, an authority where it didn't quite go the way that should have been correct, mm. um, wrongly accused or what have you. I mean, everyone's got something or that little light bulb that said, you know what, there's a better way of doing this. Yeah. Or why am I doing this? Maybe more, the, more so the whys. And then when you realize that no one else around you, friends or family, are asking the same why, they just accept it. These moments are, is what, what I was sharing because I find you know, that, that's, very, that's, that's a good character versus character. Let's have a look at you know, where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, and and I, the fascinating thing, like when you hear very people's perspective from that, like sometimes you capture some of that potency, the consciousness that they had in that moment. The first time that the cops beat the shit out of you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. P picking up a mate from the police station the next morning, knowing that you couldn't do anything. You know, things like, you know, th these are like real yeah. stories. And I wanted to hear a few real stories. And I felt like there was a couple people that I met later in the... In the, in the, I mean, obviously, just about everybody had some fascinating oh, stories. Oh, of course. It was amazing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I met a few people that I was like, you know what? I don't feel like you feel what I feel or what I feel like everyone else is feeling. And then I was wondering whether they've been there the whole time. That, that, was, that was my, maybe not paranoia, but, you know, I was, like, <laughs> I was a little bit let down by that because, I mean, everyone's got a good story. And when you don't tell me a good story, I get upset. <laughs> uh, that's not what you were saying at the time. <laughs> no, I was, I was on fire. I was you was, and what happened to this guy's eyes? Were this guy's eyes humanized? Okay, no, no I didn't ask him this story. <laughs> but um, I think this was probably seeded by you know, the, the elder on the beach. Yeah. That could have been an angel or a ghost or something, but he, he gave me direct information. <laughs> I mean, it's funny now to me, but he... He told me, come back to the moment. And the more that I came back to the moment, I started realizing things like, you know, I started questioning, like, all of a sudden I came back from the beach wondering, how have I been standing? What's my posture like? Have I got weird tourist posture or have I got like Mexican machine diesel posture? And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, how, how white am I on the inside? I don't know. Like, how, how Mexican am I? Or, or, you know, like, because you pick up these different characters. How Welsh are you mm. in your heart? Well, How many I, I, chambers of your heart are Welsh? Uh, it's going to be at least one. Okay. Because my granddad's Welsh. <laughs> at least a little. Um, so I started questioning other people. I'm looking at them. And I'm, I'm for a, a less of a better term, judging people how they're standing. You know, especially in a reactive mode at 6 o'clock in the morning after we doubled up party from the night before. Now we're doing it again. Uh, and all of a sudden, like, people started showing some true colours. And although, you know, that's, that's all cool because we, all, we were very free and, and welcoming to everybody, um, I, I think I experienced the presence of a reptilian. So all those, all those David Icke fans out there, I can vouch that I don't know whether it was really a reptilian or whether it was me 
manifesting my own vision of what I thought a reptilian looked like. But uh, how did I describe it to you? I was like, Kurt, you wouldn't believe what I just saw. Like, this, is, this is another <laughs> Yeah, you trip said out. you saw the guy's eyes change suddenly. They were vertical, uh, like, a, like a cat or like a reptile's eyes. And uh, you, at, at, that, at that moment, for, the, for that evening, you were convinced that I, I, uh, I, I couldn't question it. <laughs> no, well, oh, uh, you, you yeah. did question it. And I, I, I told I you, no, I'm 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then the next day you were like, maybe it wasn't exactly like that. Well, I got <laughs> But several... I'm not sure if it was just because you were doubting your, doubting your own uh, perceptions or because you weren't, it was just a fantasy. Uh. So now, now we need to ask the question, why? So obviously my state of mind was altered. I was tired. I've been, I've been drinking for several yep. days. Um, so that is not a reliable source of information to start with. <laughs> then I've, I've, been, I've got plants growing out my ears of different ideas and I've just got complete overload of knowledge because we just, we just came off like a, what, three days of solid information, not to mention <laughs> yeah. the stories that everyone's telling. Yeah. Um, yeah. So keeping that all in mind, you know, I've kind of discredited my own, my own story. But at the time, I was 100% convinced. Mm. But the question why is... Why did I see a reptilian? And what is a reptilian? Because I'm not talking about I saw a lizard man. I'm talking about I saw people in their basic reactive modes. And of course, I mean, anyone tired is gonna be, you know, snap at things and react. Well, it's gonna be pure reaction. There's no conscious decision-making. After I spoke to this grandfather-like figure that told me to come back to the moment and pay attention to these little factors of what people are displaying within myself, and everyone else. So when I say that my mind, my perception gave me the image of a reptilian, it could have just been the light that was reflecting off a glazed eyeball that looked like a cat's eye, which at the time, it is what it was. I saw, I saw a reptilian, but that was just my own reptilian mind presenting that, projecting it across onto somebody from a, from a basic, um, you know, in the moment, what, what are you saying? and seeing that light curve on the eye. And of course, I indulged in the experience and said, oh, reptilian. So you, you didn't actually point your finger at them and uh, like declare it to the world and start screaming like a banshee. No, that was in my mind. And then I, okay. then I told you later. Okay, okay. That's what happened. <laughs> All right, you controlled yourself. You didn't. <laughs> no, well, I, I, I just came off this download of, of solid, you know, primal cultural, you know, ancestral information yeah. so you know I'm, I'm walking around you know just, i think i even mentioned a few people bro posture and i was like oh yeah let's, let's do this where am i <laughs> and, and it was it was cool but i mean my my experience was then defined by by uh you know all the ideas and the exhaustion of the of the night plus the the uh you know what we're consuming so you know it was a few mixed drinks and things amongst other drinks. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Had to yeah. be there. Had yeah. to be there. <laughs> no, well, well at, one, at one stage, uh, this is all hearsay. We, ne we never got this information directly from the source, I don't think. But there was, at, apparently there was somebody at the conference who was going up and introducing themselves. Um, by saying, hey, uh, so uh, I don't pay any taxes. Uh, how about you? Uh, <laughs> which if, yeah. uh, if it was, was genuinely an IRS agent, would have to be, you know, the most poorly trained. But the, we're talking about government bureaucrats, so it wouldn't be particularly surprising. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I think it was very easy for people to misunderstand what was, you know, what was said. But, but come on, let's be real. I mean, like Roger Ver said, chances are, there was a government agent there, probably from the United States government. Like the first anarchist conference in the Americas, uh, the first anarcho-capitalist conference, and we're talking about people who are 
well-organized, intelligent. We're not talking about people who are just throwing Molotov cocktails or putting up signs and, and uh, flicking people off on the street or, or declaring that, they're, um, that the, the government are pigs or something like that. We're talking about people with carefully reasoned arguments, people who are commanding independent media on the internet. So it's entirely realistic that there was a government agents at this event. We just, uh, other than Aaron's insightful reptilian um, hallucination, we hey, have no idea who they he, are. He could have been a, he could have been the guy. He, <laughs> he might have saw me as like, this guy is too much. I don't know what this, I haven't been trained for this shit. I can't <laughs> deal with this guy. This is, this is too much. And uh, and just cracked. I don't know. I hope I hope he was there, the dude, because then he knows he knows what we're all about. Because, <laughs> because yeah, like like you're saying, everyone is extremely capable, educated, intelligent, and you know, well thought out. Mm. Now, these aren't ideas that that are you know that were just you know picked up by you know a, a drunken pub conversation. Mm. These aren't just you know thoughts or ideals or yeah. Or we're preferences. not talking about angry, misguided teenagers here. We're talking about people from all walks of life who've seen a lot of shit and have in, a lot of experience. Interpreting some, some philosophy mm. that, that, that has been, you know, we're talking ages, mm. like ages of information that this has been, uh, you know, understood and portrayed and now interpreted and applied mm. um, in, in a new age, a new world. Yes. With and, technology. Yeah, exactly. And now, it, like, yeah, people have been starting to touch on these subjects for a long time, like Adam Smith, Frederick Bastiat, uh, Lysander Spooner, people, people have been starting to look at these subjects, mm -hmm. but now we actually have the platform. Uh, I mean, in the past, it probably wasn't extremely palatable for media outlets or for, for say, universities uh, to have anarchists in, in their ranks uh, talking about what they talk about, but now, we don't need them. We have the internet. Yeah, decentralized systems, different uh, mobile platforms. We're talking about complete uh, direct control of information. Mm. Um, I, I get crazy thinking about trends, mm. about how now the, the, the concept of not being able to manipulate the past Mm. And, and you, you shared with me an, a very nice quote. Yeah, the George Orwell quote would always come back to, he who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. And this is like, if you look at government schools, who teaches you about history? The government teaches you about history. But now, like you mentioned how Bitcoin and blockchain technologies relate to this in an interesting way. Well. The majority of us still think about blockchain technology as a way to, to trade or the way to uh, store value, and, and that's all well and good. But we're talking about a, an information source that's going to be documenting everything yes. in, in real time as you want it to, which is able to be reflected on or reported on, uh, and that's going to give access to all information yeah. of all time and accurate, because you can't change what happened because it happened. So now we're gonna have access to, I mean, the example that I used was in the movie Interstellar and how it was very interesting where they have in the, in the opening scenes about the, the moon landing and what actually happened and the textbook that they'll teach in the schools and the, the information that was being taught to their children. And it went from a, a normal understanding today that we landed on the moon and we took some nice photos, we went for a little run around and it was all lovely back in, was it 59? No. Oh. Uh, 60. 69. And yeah, now... Apollo, Apollo 11. And then they, then they show the, you know, in, in the movie, uh, this hypothetical idea of where that was just a big propaganda stunt to, uh, to win a war. And now they're changing the textbooks to show, you know, to show a new generation of the tactics that are, that are a strong America. Can, uh, could have utilized. I did see on someone on a Facebook comment claimed that her, her children are already being taught this stuff in school. I, I, you did tell me about that. Yeah. I, that's so... Dig up the comment. It was interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now I don't know what to believe. We've got to ask why. What could have happened? 
what motives are there between both cases? But the technology that we have now is going to be information completely decentralized that is what it is and can't be, can't be changed. So the, the concept of being able to control the, the past or having yeah, control on the past to have the future, that's, that's out of here because there's no, there's no control anymore. The information's yeah. out and the knowledge is available. Yeah. And what's going what's gonna to come out of this is going to have individuals being able to choose what they want to believe based on what information is going to be presented, which is going to be everything's going to be available. So I wonder if, I mean, in 50 years, a historian might look back and they might say they might divide the past. You know, there's a definite distinction between prehistory and history. Well, they might d divide it between pre-blockchain and blockchain because it's going to be such a huge difference in determining the a sequence of events. Yeah. I mean, dates become irrelevant because we're talking about, we're talking about. <laughs> Let's get, get a blockchain address instead of them. Well, why, why would you want, <laughs> why would you date? want a, uh, a, a time on a, you know, on a, on a calendar that doesn't even, doesn't even check some. <laughs> it's like forget about that. Let's talk about how many hashes. It, how many hashes that happen ago? Yeah. Let, let's, let's run something real. Like uh, I don't know, simple Aztec calendar. Don't believe it was theirs, but they ran on base twenty, in uh, you know series of numbers that we can't even compute. It's so alien to us, and you know, and they're supposed to be human as well. I, I don't know. Technology. It is going to change everything, and and we're on we're on that changeover now, which is. Uh, which is super exciting because yeah. nobody can, we can predict, but no one's really gonna know what's gonna come out of this now. Mm. Real shit. All right, uh, this has been the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. My name's Aaron Battle. So press like, press subscribe, press comment, leave us an interesting story. If you are an Anika Pulko, tell us what happened or tell us if you're coming next year. And hit us up on Twitter at Triple Bowl. At BattleAZ. And stay cool. Stay conscious. Peace. Peace.